0: In 2006, uh, Lou Ann Brizendine published a book called The Female Brain, and in it she cited some statistics. Those statistics said that women speak on average 20,000 words every single day. Men, on the other hand, the average is 7,000 words per day, right? So women speak three times as many words per day as men do. Now we hear those statistics, and in our minds, what do we think? That sounds about right. Yeah. Women are chatterboxes, and men are basically lumps and logs, right? That's what it boils down to. Well, people were skeptical of the, this research, and one of those people was a guy named James Penderbaker. Penderbaker decided, hey, I, I'm skeptical of this because it's not true. He had been doing research on this for 10 years, and so uh, through the research that he did, he found out that actually men and women speak about the same amount of words every single day. But the average person says 16,000 words every day. Now, women were about 400 words more per day. But, but by and large, if you think about it, that's a pretty small uh, grouping of words. If you think about men and women being right around 16,000 words per day. Here's what that means. If you and I are saying 16,000 words per day on average, we are going to say things we regret. Now, it's kind of funny as a side note. He had um, his most economical speaker, which was a man, which makes sense. This guy said 500 words on average per day. Like for some of you, that's a half a minute a day, right? The most verbose speaker was also a man. He said on average, I don't know what I'd do to this person, 47,000 words per day. And you think your kids talk a lot, Anyway, that's a sort of a side note there. The point being, what we find is that when we say that many words per day, the chances are you and I are going to say some things that we regret. Over the next few weeks, we are going to be in this series called Me and My Big Mouth, and this is true for many of us, right? There are things that we say that we truly regret. And so what would it look like for you and I to work on that? What would it look like for us to, to think about that we really do have me and my big mouth? Or as the, the song at the very beginning of the day, my stupid mouth. I mean, our mouth gets in the way of so much within our life, specifically our relationships. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to look at different aspects of how we can, how we can fix this, this one thing that's kind of hard to do. And at the same time, it's actually pretty simple. Over the next, or excuse me, over the rest of our time today, we're going to be looking at a passage in James. Before we get there, a couple things about James. Uh, first, I get people to ask me quite a bit, "Hey, what books of the Bible should I read?" I mean, there, there's a big old book. There's 66 books in there. How many of these do I need to read? Should I read them all right now? I mean, what's the deal? And here's what I tell people: there are three books I think you should read, just kind of starting out when you read scripture. The first is Genesis. Genesis is kind of the why. This is the why of what you're getting ready to read for the rest of, of scripture. The next one is the book of John. Uh, John is the who. This is the who about what Scripture is all about. It really points back to, to much of Genesis. And, and then I tell them to read the book of James. Because James is the what. This is what it looks like to follow Christ. James is one of my favorite books. Um, James was actually the brother, the half-brother of, of Jesus. Uh, I talked about this on Easter. James and his siblings, his brothers and sisters, which would have been Jesus' half-brothers and sisters, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't believe he was the son of God. In fact, at Jesus' uh, crucifixion, we have Jesus on the cross. And down below, there's his mom, some family members, family friends, uh, John, his best friend. There are no siblings present because they think Jesus is, is actually a crazy man. Now, they, they would probably say, you know, we, we know Jesus, right? We know who he was. And, and one of the things I find interesting about this interaction with, with James and Jesus and what happens to James later on is that between the age of 12 and, and 30, we really don't have anything on Jesus, right? And so that tells me if James is really struggling with who his his half-brother is, that, that he's saying he's the son of God, it, it means that Jesus was just normal. and So they're probably looking at James or J, uh, John, excuse me, there's too many J's, right? <laughs> I'm going to do this all morning. They're looking at Jesus and like, we know you, right? You're our brother. Man, you used to give us wedgies when we were kids. I mean, this is a kind of, you were just normal. You can't be who you say you are. You're crazy. Then one day, Jesus dies. A few days later, we find James. Maybe he's on the beach making omelets. Jesus shows up. Totally changes his life. He's convinced at that moment that, Well, you were my brother, sort of, but you truly are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. And so James becomes a follower, not of his brother, but of Jesus Christ. And we find with James, his life changes so much that he actually becomes the lead pastor, if you will, of this new thing that's happening, this thing called church. He's the lead pastor of this church in Jerusalem, which this church is growing exponentially. It's, it's growing so quickly. So he's kind of in charge of this. And so he writes these words in James, which, by the way, if you've never read James before, it's, it's basically a book of Proverbs. Um, it it is just, uh, it's just a lot of of principles within the book of James. Powerful, powerful words. And, and James writes this specifically to Christians, to followers of Jesus. He's like, this is what it looks like for you to follow Jesus. Like, I didn't used to believe in this guy because he was my brother, but now I do. He's actually the son of God. I believe he was the savior, the Messiah. And now this is what it looks like to actually follow in his footsteps, so James writes these words in James that, again, are so powerful. We're going to look at three of these verses today. If you have your Bible, you can turn to James chapter 1. James 1, we're going to start in verse 19. Again, we're just reading three verses, but, man, there's so much within these three verses. James 1, chapter 19, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you. If you're brand new, we put them up here on the screen. You can follow along on your Journey Church app, or you can follow along on your program today and take notes there. But in James chapter 1, starting with verse 19, here's what James writes. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. These are interesting words from James because we don't know the context of this. Um, sometimes, if we look in some of the letters that were written in the New Testament, we kind of we, we sort of know the context of what's happening there. As I read through James, I, I'm thinking. Again, he's the pastor of this, this church, and it's growing exponentially. And you've got this new religious movement that has begun. Now, it started out as Judaism. Jesus came. He was the Messiah. It begins sort of this combination Jude- Judaism-Christianity thing, and then it, the Christianity part kind of pulls away from the Judaism. And so you've kind of got this dual thing that's happening. So this is a brand-new thing that's there. And so James is in charge of all of this. And, and my guess is he's writing these words because there's conflict within the church. That these followers of Christ, these people are supposed to be following Christ, there's conflict that's there. But, but not only that, but as they're trying to live their just daily lives, and there's conflict that's happening within their daily lives. And, and so James is like, hey, look, there's something we've got to work on here, and it's this conflict. How many of you this week have had conflict with someone? Six of you. Good. All right. The rest of you are great. Those are all of our extroverts. All the introverts are like, yes, I did. Um, we've all had conflict. I want to share with you this week. This is my past week. Who I've had conflict with? Going to going to be honest here and confess. Um, had conflict with an umpire at a baseball game I was coaching. <laughs> had conflict with a parent of a baseball player that I coach. Uh, had conflict with somebody while driving. Uh, had conflict with our staff. Um, had conflict with my kids. Oh yeah, and I had conflict with my wife. And the way things are going, you may be number seven or six for me today. Whatever that is. Yeah. Some of you are sitting there like, does this, he have problems? Because that sounds pretty bad. Is he one of those angry, ball-headed guys? And I'm not, okay? I promise I'm not. Hey, look, we all have conflict. It's kind of how we define conflict, honestly. Conflict is a disagreement that you and I, we, we have with someone else. Now, the issue is that sometimes that conflict, it goes way beyond just this disagreement we're trying to work on. It becomes a fight. It becomes an argument, But if we think about conflict for for this this morning, uh, conflict can lead us to, as James talks about here, it can lead us to anger. And so we have to figure out how do we deal with conflict in our life? How do we come to this agreement with someone else? Well, when it comes to conflict, two things are happening. The first thing is someone's trying to be heard. And, And then not only is that person trying to be heard, but they're trying to be understood. Here's our struggle, though we want to be the first person within that conflict to be heard and understood, right? It's like it begins with me. I want you to hear me, and I want you to understand me. And it would be great if the other person said, I'm here to listen. But in conflict, it's usually, no, 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 no. I want you to hear me and understand me. And so this battle begins at that moment, and many times, again, this this conflict goes into an argument. And sometimes that argument can last a lifetime. All of us experience conflict of some, at some point in time. And it begins with someone trying to be heard and understood first. We're trying to get to this place. Now, if two people are trying to be heard and understood at the same time, what do we find will happen? We're going to say words that we wish we didn't. We're going to say things that we regret. And we know how this takes place. Our diaphragm expands, right? And we begin to push this air up. And it, it goes across our vocal cords. And it, it goes into our mouth. And our tongue starts moving. moving and our, our lips open. And these words, they just they spew out. They explode from our mouth. It's funny because our brains are working at this incredible pace. They're working at this incredible speed. And as we're pushing air out to say these words... Our brains in that moment are like, no, don't say that. (laughs) And yet we do. And it's out there. And we can't take it back. And we say things in life that we regret to the point of sometimes it changes relationships forever. And so how do we deal with that? Well, again, James, as he's writing these words, he's writing to these followers of, of Jesus. And he says, look. When you're at this place, here's what I need you to do. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If you and I were writing this down in a journey, journal, we would probably write this differently, right? We'd say, I am I'm slow to listen, but I'm quick to speak, and I'm quick to become angry. And the reason is we want to be heard in that conflict. We want to be understood in that conflict. And James is like, no, 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 this isn't how this works. He says, Stop the first thing that you've got to do, he says, listen first. Listen to what that person has to say. Hear them first. Understand where they're coming from, which means for you and I, we do get to talk, but we ask questions. We ask clarifying questions. Hey, I just heard you say this. Can you explain to me a little bit more here? Now, some of us are pretty diabolical. We, We hear that and we're like, Yeah, if I ask more questions, they're going to give me more stuff. It's going to make this hole much deeper, and I can say worse things to them. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about understanding that individual. Because one of the issues I think we have when it comes to conflict is misinformation. That that You and I, we we get a little tidbit of of some truth or a little tidbit of some story, and then we turn it into this, this big thing, right? And so we take that back to someone else, and we're like, well, this is what we heard. This is where this is coming from. This is why I feel this way. This is why I want you to understand me and where I'm coming from. That's not the way this works. Think about Facebook for a moment. Someone posts something, puts a story up, whatever. I mean, how many times do you read the comments and you're just like, where are you coming up with that? Because there's so much misinformation that's there. News stories are posted and everybody's like, I believe that. It's like, what do you know about that? I don't know anything, but it was there, so it's got to be true. No, it doesn't. We have to be willing to take the time first to listen because there may be misinformation that's out there. And James is like, look, be quick to listen. Be quick to understand. Hear what someone else has to say first before jumping to conclusions. And so he says, again, he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, there's one other piece to this, and I think this is the biggest struggle for us. We want to be right. We want to be right because we think we're always right, right? I mean, that, that's who we are. We, we think what, what we believe and what we, we say and what we do, we always think that that is right. And, and so as, as parents, we want to be right. As co-workers, as a boss, we, we want to be right. As an employee, we want to be right. Um, husbands, we, we want to be right. Wives, you're always right. So there's no winning that argument. <laughs> But it's real. We, we want to be right. And so that's why it's so hard for us in conflict because we sit there and we're like, I want to hear and understand this person, but I'm right. And so this is why I've got to share where I'm coming from first. If we're not careful, um, we can write the person we love right out the door. If we're not careful, we can write the person that is our most incredible all-everything employee, we can write them out the door. We can write, 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 write the people that we love and that we care about and we know right out the door because we are so stuck on, on being right. And James is like, no, don't, don't work to be right. Now, you may be right, okay? But he says, first, listen. Understand, hear where they're coming from. Ask questions. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and, of course, slow to become angry. In fact, if we go back to verse 19, I read through twenty it says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I, I love this because James throws in this anger piece. He, he says, "Be quick to listen and slow to speak," and he could have stopped there. But he said, "Be slow to angry." Anger. When you and I, when we are quick to listen and slow to speak, how angry do we normally get? Not very angry. In fact, many times we stop the anger train because we've, we've done something very healthy in, in those moments. But, but anger is actually, there's two things here. Anger is a result and a decision that we make when it comes to, to being quick to listen and slow to speak. If we don't do those things, if we do them the opposite way, we will be quick to anger. And again, anger is, is a result. It's a result of, of what we are experiencing. It's a result of saying, I am right and you're wrong. I know what I'm talking about and and you don't. And so anger is a result of being slow to listen and quick to speak. But it's also a decision we make. We make a decision to be angry in those moments. We we make a decision to lash out, right? Uh, That that volcano explodes and we say words that we regret. Or for some of us, anger comes in a different form. It's that we we shut down. We're quiet. We don't say anything. We sulk. But anger is still that decision that we make based on we don't listen slowly or quickly, and we don't, we don't speak slowly. And anger comes from that. Anger is a result in the decision of being slow to listen and quick to speak. James here, I think, is saying the longer you listen, the more you learn, the less angry you will be. The longer you listen, the more you learn, the less angry you will be. Because like I just said a second ago, everyone... Thinks that everything that they do and they say and they believe, man, it's right to them. And for you and I, we're the same way. Everything that I say and I do and I believe, I feel like it's right to me. And James is like, get rid of the rightness. Kind of set that off to the side and take these steps. Let that go. Listen quickly. Be slow to speak and be slow to anger. And then he throws in that part there about God. Because when our human anger jumps in, we can't truly be who God has created us to be and who God wants us to be. And so for us to get to this place where God wants us to be, to stay away from that human anchor, quick to listen, slow to speak, and then slow to anger. And James says this in verse 21. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. James says let's change who you are. Here's how we do this. He, those first words there, get rid of all moral filth. I mean that sounds pretty deep and theological. Um, that word rid there just means to strip it away. Just to get rid of it. Kind of like if you're wearing your coat that's the right coat, right? You got the right coat on, I'm always right. James like get rid of that. Just kind of throw it to the side. Hang it up. Just, just put it away. It's there, and maybe you're right, but, but we're not going to deal with that right now. And then he says, get rid of all moral filth. Now, the translation here, I, I don't like what they put here because the, this is actually a medical term. and I love this. This is why they should, shouldn't translate stuff, like, differently. It's wax in the ears. So James is like, get rid of the wax in your ears. You don't like that? I like that. That's a good one, I think. <laughs> Get rid of the wax in your ears. I mean, that's, that's what he's saying here. Get rid of this wax that, that is deep down inside your ears. Um, when you have wax in your ears, you can't hear, right? Uh, parents, if you've got kids, you know, sometimes you'll say something to you, You're like, I can't hear you. And what do we tell them? Get the wax out of your ears so you can hear what I'm saying. And then sometimes, parents, we go clean the wax out of their ears. and we're like, no wonder. You actually could not hear anything I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe you need to take a bigger bath. But anyway, um, but that's what James is getting to. He's like, clean your ears out. Now, now, as he talks about this idea of moral filth, again, that's that medical term there, but he talks about this evil that's there. Hey, for us, that's just the outside world, okay? And the outside world is saying, hey, you're right. They're wrong. You're you're right. You, You don't need to listen to them you don't need to understand them. They need to hear you. And so we we start shoving that in in our ears and and we begin to think, well, you know what? They're right, I am right and I should express that in this moment and if they're not gonna listen to me they're not gonna understand me, then I should get pretty hot-headed about this and I should be stronger in my emotions towards what's going on here. And so we start to pack this stuff in and when that takes place, we can't hear anything. We can't hear what the other person is saying We can't hear what they're trying to help us understand, but we also can't hear God. And so for James, he's saying, you've got so much stuff packed in there that you can't hear the other people, but here's the deal, you can't hear God either. And he's like, hey, but guess what? You're a follower of Christ. And if you're here this morning, you're a follower of Christ, he's talking to us. He's saying, that word, that truth, it's been planted in you. When you became a follower of Jesus, you, you were given that spirit, the Holy Spirit, and it is in you. It is a part of who you are. And so when you think that, that you're right and you've got to push that and push that agenda, James is like, no, 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 no. Clean the wax out of your ears. Get rid of it. Open yourself up to what's inside of you, which is the Holy Spirit of God. And let that lead you forward. Let that help you in what you say and how you react and what you hear from other people. James is making a pretty big point here. He's like, this is the way that you begin to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. You clean out your ears, and you start that by listening to God. You listen to that spirit that has been planted so deep inside of you. We say, hey, I, I need to be heard and I need to be right. And James says, no, you don't. James says you need to listen to God. You need to listen to that spirit. You need to clean out your ears so that you can hear what God has to say. And if you let that become your first step, you know how much easier it is to listen to others first and to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. But James doesn't finish up there. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth. The evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. James makes a very bold statement right here with this last part of this passage. He says, Clean out your ears, right? Um, get rid of all the, the mess that's around you so you can hear God, so you can hear others. And, and he said, This thing that's in, in put inside you, this, this spirit, you, you accept that. And here's what it'll do it will save you. I know when we read scripture and we hear those words together, our first thought is eternal life. I don't think James is talking about eternal life here. I think he's talking about relationships. That if you and I can put these things into practice, if we can live our life in this way, it will save the relationships that we have. How many times, for those of us that are married, have you said something you wish you could bring back? Probably a couple times, right? It happened to me this past week. And you know, I'm just being open and honest, confessing a lot of stuff today. Um, my wife and I were having a conversation, and it's one of those moments, she said something that was very nice. Um, it, it, I was thankful for what she had done, and for some reason, the words that came out of my mouth were the opposite of what they should have been. And gentlemen, you, you know when you say something, you're like, man, I shouldn't say that. And then she gives you that look like, wow, I really shouldn't have said that. That was one of those moments and I was like, oh, wow, this isn't going to go well. And uh, I did apologize. Just want to let everybody know. I'm not an angry ball-headed guy, by the way, but uh, I apologize for that. But, but sometimes we do that, right? We do that in marriage. And I think James is saying, look, if you do these things, you will save your marriage. That if you do these things at work, you, you will save your job. And today, two seconds, you can lose your job for something you say, which is good. Some instances, this is really, really good. And, and, and you know what, James? Is like, hey, you can save your job and the relationships you have there by watching what you say, by being quick to listen. Parents, um, we're really bad at this with our kids. And, and here's why I think this is the case for us: uh, we have too much wax in our ears. Um, we have our jobs uh, with the the burden that's there, and. And kind of all the things that we carry from that. And then there's the financial stuff at home. And, you know, living in a place like this is trying to live like everybody else. And and so we have all of this stuff that's kind of crammed in in our ears. And the one group of people that we take it out on more than any other group are our kids. Because we look at our kids and we think, hey, um, you're not as important as I am. You don't do the things that I do. You don't know what I go through on a day-to-day basis. And our kids can do one little thing. And we lose it. Now, I'm not saying kids shouldn't be disciplined for things they do that are wrong. I'm not saying that at all. However, there are times when something happens and we just go off on our kids right there in that moment. You know what it is? There's so much stuff packed in our ears that in that moment we just unleash on our kids. And some of you know this because you're adults and you're living this out right now with your parents. That relationship will be broken. And you're struggling right now because your relationship is broken with your mom, with your dad, with your parents. You're hurting. You're hurting. And it's all because of what took place back then. And and so much just came centered on us and focused on us. And those words just spewed out. And today we still struggle with who we are because of what took place then. James says, look, if you are a follower of Christ and you live your life this way, here's what's going to happen. You are going to save those relationships that are so important to you. That sounds like a pretty good idea to me. To be able to get to this place where we put our faith and our trust in God, that we clean out our ears. Because our mouth, this thing right here, it'll get us in trouble every single time. We may only say 16,000 words a day, which sounds like a lot, but, but there are chances that we're going to say things that we shouldn't say and things that we regret and things that we wish had never left our mouth, but we'll do it. And James, is like, you don't have to live that way. He says, clean out your ears. He says, listen to what God has to say. You don't have to be right. You may be right, but listen to that other person. Hear them, understand them. And in the end, when we begin to take these steps, that conflict that's there, man, it will just be a conversation and not an argument that takes place. Now, I think these are big words for James to say because James, I can only imagine, if he thought his brother was crazy, I bet there was a lot of conflict there now knowing Jesus and because of what James writes I'm assuming this is exactly what Jesus did that Jesus was quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry and James is here saying hey look I didn't believe my brother and now I understand who he truly is and was and he's a savior my life is different because of this and yours can be too if you live this out as we look at this passage today, there's so much there. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, guess what? That first verse, 19, there's a ton there. That's a principle to live by in life. But if we are followers of Jesus, what, what James writes here, that's so powerful for you and for me and the way that we can live our life. And so we talk about next steps. They're so easy. First one is clean out your ears. Clean out your ears. It's simple. Clean your ears out. Get rid of the stuff that's there and, and just be open to what God has to say. Because that spirit, it's inside of us. It's been planted in us. And then the second, be quick to listen. That's hard because we always think we're right. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Which I think means asking questions and waiting and getting all the information we can. And, and then I think that last part, that anger piece That's a result of doing those first three things. We'll be slow to anger if we put these steps into practice. Today's message, it is so practical for every single one of us in this room because you and I, we have a big mouth. We have a big mouth. And James understood that and God understands that. And James says, this is what it looks like to keep that mouth shut and to live a life that God has created you to live. As we head into our time of communion this morning, our uh, team is going to, we're going to go old school with a song, a a worship song called Holiness, and um, but it's so perfect for today's message, and that's why Gary picked it. Because we we think in our life, we've got to live this life of perfection, right? This is the the life that we've got to be. We've got to be perfect and everything. And God doesn't ask us to be perfect. God asks us to be holy. Holy is different. We're striving for something. We're striving to be more like Jesus. And so this is one of the biggest areas that we struggle with. It's our mouth. But here's the amazing part of this. Today we take this communion. We take this bread and we take this juice. And it's a reminder to you and to me that we are forgiven. That those things that spew out of our mouth, that we're forgiven of those. Those things that we're thinking in our head that come out through our mouth, hey, we're forgiven if we ask for that forgiveness. And my prayer this morning is that you and I, as we take the bread, as we take the juice, that we'll be reminded of that forgiveness that we're given, even when things come out that we shouldn't say. Maybe for you this morning, you just need prayer. Our prayer team's going to be back in this corner. They would love to just pray over you and pray for you please as our communion time's going on go back there let them pray for you let them pray Amen. over you